for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Well, good morning. And what a morning, what a day in the life of the church, in the journey that he's leading us on. God is truly our Emmanuel. He is with us. He is a God who speaks. He reveals his word both in scripture and through the gift of prophecy. And uh, we're glad that he's a God who's on the move. And uh, it's great to, to respond to him and to be part of that journey, to know him personally and to know him corporately as a, as a people on that journey, and to be stirred up and provoked in every way. I was thrilled during the week to read an article about what God is doing in Iran, uh, and the, the, the many, many people who are coming to Jesus and being baptized uh, uh, for their faith in Jesus. And it's just such an exciting story. God is moving all over the world by his Spirit, and he's moving here by his Spirit. If you've got your books with you, we are, for those who are visiting this morning, we're going through a series on, on discipleship, which is learning to live like Jesus. So we learn to live in the way that he did, and we learn to pass on uh, what he passed on in the way that he did as well. So uh, we, when a person becomes a Christian, they become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. It's a choice that they make. And so they become a disciple And then others become disciples and they need to be discipled as well. We need to learn how to do this life. It doesn't just come to us automatically. Uh, We need to learn the ways of God. We need to learn about our own hearts. We need to learn how to put all these things into practice. And uh, we're using some symbols. Um, Can you remember? Up, in, and out. Let's do your exercises, shall we? Up, in, and and out. And it's all based around those three things, up, in, and out. Up is our focus Godwards, inwards about ourselves and our relationships, etc. And outwards is looking out beyond the sphere of our own lives in the context of mission. So this morning we're, we're looking at the last in the up uh, part of this series. And previously we've learned to, we, we started off in learning to live like Jesus. Then we had power up and start with prayer. Then stop and read the word, and then last week uh, Pete was speaking on recording the prophetic, hearing the voice of God. And this morning we are looking at responding and being refreshed in worship. Every one of us was made to worship. Whether you believe in God or you don't, we all worship in some way or other, because that is the natural bent of our hearts. And as someone said, there is a There is a God-shaped void within us that needs to be filled, and that leads us to worship in different ways. And and frequently, we worship in ways which uh, fit with our own hearts and minds, so we create gods of our own thinking uh, that that, that go along with how we are, and we we worship those kinds of gods. We create religions, etc., etc. Or, you know, football stars or uh, pop stars become the people that we give our worship and our devotion to. And because worship is all about where our hearts are are linked, where our hearts, the main focus of our hearts is, and what gets the devotion of our hearts and our lives. So we are, we all worship in some way or other. The question is whether we are worshiping in the right way, whether we're worshiping the true God, and whether we are experiencing worship. You know, we can even come together on a Sunday morning and we can go through all the various actions. uh, 
uh, and have all sorts of ideas about it and never actually worship. And, and the crucial thing is, you know, does it make a difference to my life? Because real worship should impact our lives in such a way that we are being transformed. We are becoming different people. God is, is very real to us. And uh, this morning, we, we're just looking at this aspect of worship, and the Bible speaks about all of our life being worshipped. So uh, here we are in a worship gathering, just worshipping God through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. But the whole of life is meant to be lived out as a, a worship experience. So when I'm at home, that's about worship as well, in my relationship with my wife. It, when I go about my work, that's worship as well. When you, you go out into the workplace, Paul says that we should give ourselves as a living sacrifice uh, uh, to, to the Lord. And, and we do that in every sphere and dimension of life. So the two go together. But our focus this morning is particularly on, on the worship experience, on our encounter together as a congregation. So we're called to worship. We're called to to worship personally in our homes. We're called to worship as families, we see that. And we're called to worship in groups, both in the congregation and in our community groups as well. The Bible speaks then of very specific, of very directed worship. And this morning we're going to look at it in three simple steps. And if you've got your book and you're following me through in the book as well, you can find it on page 22, page 22 and 23. And so, three simple steps, and we don't want to make these steps a formula, that if you do these all the time, that's what will happen, because you can get all religious and start to live Christian life that way, and if you've been there and played that game, you know it doesn't work, because actually it's about a relationship, and when we look at these steps, actually they're helpful, they're designed to help us to know how to take this journey of worship in our encounter with God, particularly when we come together on occasions like this. Someone said this, uh, we praise until the spirit of worship comes and we worship until the glory comes and then we stand in the glory. And we're going to use those three, uh, three statements to understand how we approach the whole aspect of worship. So we're going to look at, number one, we praise until the spirit of worship comes. And number two, we worship until the glory comes and then we stand in the glory. God is an amazing God. He is absolutely wonderful and he is beautiful in every way. And I think one of the first bases of worship is just understanding and knowing who God is. You might have the wrong image of God. You might have a bad image of God. And you need to have that change because unless we are captivated by the beauty of God, we will never enjoy worship. We will just see it as a duty to be performed rather than a delight. And so I would encourage you to open up your heart to the Holy Spirit if you don't know God in that way. You may have put all sorts of images onto God, and and I I believe this is part of Richard Dawkins' problem, the the image that he has of God. The God that he believes in, he thinks we believe in, I don't believe in. Uh, I believe in a totally different God, and the God of the Bible, who is a good God, an amazing God, a great God, an almighty God, a loving God, a generous God, a God who loves to have us in his presence and talk to us and, and listen to us and so on. And we could go on a whole lot more about that. But, you know, worship is centered in God, and therefore we need to have a big view of God. We need to have a glorious view of God. So, uh, script, we're basing this in the scripture, Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2. It will appear up on the screen there. And we, let's read this together, shall we? Why don't we just stand and read this together? 
Let's declare it together. Because this is about the Lord that we believe in. Let's declare together then, shall we? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Amen. You may be seated. So we we begin with praise. When we come into God's presence, we begin with praise. The scripture says elsewhere, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. You know, a lack of thankfulness is a failure to recognize where God is at work in our lives. And where we don't have thankfulness, we won't have praise either. But when we begin to see what, who God is and what God is about, we, we find reasons to praise him. And if you haven't got any reasons to praise him, go and read the Psalms. Because there's all sorts of reasons there to praise God. He's our rock, he's our fortress, he's our deliverer. And in him uh, we trust So the dictionary defines praise like this. It's to commend or to applaud based on personal worth or actions, to extol in words of song or to magnify or glorify based on perfections or excellent works. Now there are certain people who are well able to do that with regard to a particular football team at this moment in time. They've done very well. They've finished at the top of the Champions League. And there are those who support them. We won't ask you to confess here and now. But there are those who support them who are applauding their actions. And they are giving them praise. And so praise is about this recognition of somebody or something's worth. And we give it or that person praise. So praise from a biblical context then reminds us, number one, of who God is and what he has done. In praise, we proclaim the truth about God. We proclaim who he is. We proclaim his nature. We proclaim his magnificence. We proclaim his glory in every every way. And if you don't know where to start in that, a good place to start is just get a hold of the Scriptures. I know in my younger days as a Christian, I I, I didn't know quite how to use words, and I I still stumble over words, but a good place to go is just to to go to the Psalms, and and you read the Psalms, and there are many wonderful praise Psalms which you you can just use, and you can just take, and you can just speak out to God if you don't have that, that confidence yourself, but as time goes by, you'll find the Holy Spirit enables you to understand and to proclaim those truths yourself, so it's about God. So that's where we begin. We begin with God. We don't begin with ourselves, because if you begin with yourself, you're in trouble. You begin with God, because he is the eternal constant. We we fluctuate, and depending on how life is rolling at this moment in time will depend on how we might approach God. But when we start with who God is, in every way possible, he is the one who is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the, the eternal constant. With him, there is that consistency. His love doesn't fluctuate, and neither does his power. So we, we praise God for who he is. And that's a decision that we make, and we engage with him, because he is worthy of our praise. Whatever's going on in my life, whatever's going on in your life, God is on his throne And God is reigning, and God is ruling, and he is worthy of all the praise that we can give him. So, number two, praise is therefore not dependent on our circumstances. It's all about God. It's based on his unchanging nature and not on our circumstances. Isaiah 61 talks about putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Have you ever known a spirit of heaviness? Let's have an honesty time. Eh? That's, That's most hands, isn't it? 
Yeah, I'll put both hands up too. Because, yeah, I, I have known some times of, of despair and despondency. And let's be honest, sometimes we like to wallow in it, don't we? Because somehow we, we feel a little bit good about wallowing in our own mire, you know? But it's not helpful. And Scripture talks about putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When, when we feel like that, when that heaviness comes upon us, you know, it, it can turn us inward and we can get sucked into this kind of this vortex and it just pulls us in and deep down in. But we, what Scripture says, put on, this, put on the garment of praise. It's a bit like a cold morning. You can either stay as you are and choose to go out cold or you can put on a thicker jumper or a bigger coat, can't you? And you choose to do that. And so Scripture says to us that we can put on this garment, this garment of praise, and we say, no, I am not going to to behave according to how I feel. I'm going to put on the garment of praise, and I'm going to praise Him, because no matter what I feel like, He is worthy. And we give Him that praise. We give Him that glory. We give Him that honor. And it's strange, you know, when when you do that, and you have to be determined. There's a case where you have to press through in it. You know, it won't go away in two minutes. And it's a good idea to press through. You might need to do five minutes. You might need to do ten minutes. You might need to do a quarter of an hour. The devil doesn't like us praising God. Yeah? Did you know that? He doesn't like us praising God. Because he knows who God is. And he knows what it does for our souls. And so the spirit of praise, putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, is an important thing. And then prayer, change, praise changes circumstances. You can think of its situations in Scripture. And we'll just go to one. And, and you think of Paul and Silas. And, and there they are in prison. They could have had a real downtime committee. How did we end up here? What are we going to do about it? Have you got any ideas? You know, uh, and, and, and look at the guards. I mean, what chance have we got in this place? You know, and, and not only that, it smells a bit. This is damp and it's horrible and it's, it's a bit dark and, and musty. But what do they do? They begin to praise God. So they begin to, to praise God despite their circumstances. And they lift up his name. And as they lift up his name, suddenly their circumstances change. Suddenly the atmosphere changes. And suddenly we see God on the move in that situation and they find themselves wonderfully released. And there is a sense in when, when we do that, when we, we praise God, it changes atmospheres. It does something. It might be that you need to do that in your work environment. That you need to start praising God and not keep talking about the problem. That you need to lift up your heart and, and praise God and, and, and see God change that atmosphere. It could be, it can happen in our community groups, it can happen in our church. We want God in our midst. And by praise, we we change the atmosphere. And praise is, get this, loud, noisy. And that word I mentioned last week, good word, I love it, rambunctious. Eh? That's a good old English word. It means uncontrollably exuberant and boisterous. Anyone up for that? Oh, yes, come on. Yeah. So if you really want to know praises, I mean, some of us need to be delivered from our English, you know, kind of uh, culture, our, you know, and I don't know what that's, I'm, I'm quite reserved as a person, you, you may not believe that, but I, I can be quite reserved, I can be very English, 
And, um, you know, I remember going to Africa and experiencing the exuberance of praise and worship out there. It's like nothing I'd ever seen. Wow. And, uh, you know, we can learn some things. But, you know, God is not an Englishman. Did you know that? He's not. Turn to the person next to you and say, God's not an Englishman. And therefore, he doesn't expect me to be. Yeah? He doesn't. You read scripture, and whenever they were praising, it wasn't, oh, God, you're wonderful. Lord, you're really great. Lord, I I think you're fantastic. It was, no, it's, God, you are great. God, you are an amazing God. You are glorious and wonderful and beautiful in every way. So it's, it's, it's full of might. It's full of energy and and, you know, go and read about David and the way he did praise. I mean, he got criticized for it. You know, when they were bringing the ark back home to Jerusalem and, uh, and he got so excited. I mean, this was a big day and he just couldn't keep his feet still. I did read in one person's comment on this that actually it just moved, it meant, refers to moving the feet. And you think, well, you know, how boisterous is that? Because when you read the rest of the text, it's more than, it has to be more than moving the feet. There's a whole lot of energy going on there. And actually, he's dancing around and he's praising God. So it's, 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 it's noisy, it's loud, it's might, it's energy. There's exuberance, there's celebration, etc., etc. Uh, go and have a look again, read of the Psalms. So many different expressions. You can think of various... Praise words, you know, I'll just run through some very quickly. Barak, to kneel down and bless God as an act of adoration. Yada, to throw out our hands in extended worship. Uh, Throw out our hands in worship and bless God. There's hundreds of references to that, hidden by our word praise. Kara, to dance. Halal, the root for hallelujah, means to rave, to boast, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish, and literally to spin like a top. Have you ever thought of worshipping that way? Yeah? We could do with a few spinning tops, couldn't we? Yeah? Uh, Shabak, a shout or command to address in a loud, time, loud tone. Tucker, to, to clap the hands. Toda is the same root as Yada. Literally means the extension of the hands in adoration. And Zamar, to touch or pluck the strings of an in- instrument to sing praise. Tehila, to sing a spontaneous, extemporaneous song. So there are several different expressions that you find there in the Hebrew that are covered by our, uh, very often our words, praise or thanks, etc. But behind them, there's a whole lot more. So we praise God. We bless his name. And then Psalm 24, verses 3 to 6. Let's stand again, shall we, and read these. Let's read together. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those who have hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Please be seated. So we've spoken about praise. Praise is noisy. It's demonstrable. But this, when we speak of worship, becomes more intimate. You know, many of us perhaps never get beyond praise. Some never start with praise. They stay observing, spectating. Some who start with praise never get to this next step, that of true worship, which is being intimate with God. It's about 
seeking the face of God. It's about God's nearness. It's about experiencing His love and hearing His tender words. It's enjoying God for Himself. This is the place of adoration, is what the the old saints used to say, where they are just in God's presence and they adore Him for who He is. Just to be with Him, to know Him, to feel Him, to know that He is near. Someone, C.S. Lewis said this, he said, if all experienced God in the same way and returned Him an identical worship, the song of the church triumphant would have no symphony. It would be played like an orchestra in which all the instruments played the same note. God deliver us from playing the same note. Yes, we are different. And we enjoy different expressions of worship. There are times to kneel. There are times to prostrate yourself. There are times to stand there with arms held high, just basking in his presence. There are so many different ways just to be in the presence of God and and just to know him and to, to delight in him. When we come to this aspect of worship, we are really asking the question, does God have my heart? So in whatever way we choose to worship is, does God have my heart? Am I giving him true devotion? Do I have an intimate relationship with God? So it's about, so we've gone from praise, where we're focusing on God and who he is, and we're praising him. Now we're, we've, we've walked through praise and we've come to this place of worship and we are encountering God for himself. We're no longer talking or singing or shouting about him. Yes, it will be our songs, but they will change. They will be those, those love songs, those songs of adoration. I must admit I found it very hard as a, a young Christian, when I first began to sing songs like, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, and my soul rejoice. To be a man and just coming with that kind of devotion wasn't easy. Just to be in the presence of God and just saying, I love you, Jesus. I love you. You're wonderful. I wonder... Have you reached that point where you can say that, where you can be with him, where you can just truly delight in him, just to know that he's so near? In fact, why don't we just sing that? No wonder I can pitch it right. Can you pitch it right? I love you, Lord, and I lift my yes. To worship you, all my soul, take joy, take joy, my King. Oh yes, O oh Lord, what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet. Why don't you just stand now and we'll sing it again. Just open your arms to the Lord and just 
Just delight in his presence for a moment. Just do that. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice, take joy. What Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. Oh, yes, we love you, Lord. Be a sweet, sweet sound. Yes, we love you, Lord. Yes, we love you, Lord. Oh, silver only you can satisfy. And you alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit We lift our hearts to you, Lord. In the congregation of your people, we declare our love. People meeting God. Please be seated. I know you want to carry on. 
But it brings me right to the next point, very deliberately, which is standing in his glory. (laughs) Standing in his glory. You see, just at that moment there, you didn't really want me to say, please sit down. Did you? (laughs) No. No. And just at that point there, I, I really wanted to just let it go. But this is about learning something. It's about how we encounter God. It's about how we encounter his presence. And so we go from praise and we go into worship and we experience his presence and he comes so near. And so let's read. You can stay seated this time. Psalm 24 and the last remaining verses there. Let's read these verses. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors. And let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong, mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors. And let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the King of glory. And so we've gone from praise. We've gone to worship. And here you'll notice there's a a reference to glory. And glory carries that idea in in the Bible of weight. Something that is so heavy that everything else has to shift around it. It's his weighty presence. And as we were standing there in worship, some of you were beginning to experience that. The weighty presence of the Lord. That's different to worship in itself. When you are just with God in those moments and you are experiencing his glory. Scripture speaks of God being present in different ways. The psalmist says, if I go down into the depths, you are there. And if I go up into the heights, you are there. Wherever I go, you are there. Or as it says elsewhere in the Old Testament, the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. So there is that sense in which God is everywhere. He's not far from each one of us. And then he's revealed in Jesus Christ. God manifestly known in human form. That story that we celebrate at Christmas. Revealed again in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then we think of his indwelling presence, how he comes to abide with his people. That indwelling presence. But Jesus also spoke in John's Gospel, we read it, about how God would manifest himself to his people. So there is a manifestation of the presence of God. We see it in the Old Testament. We think of the the, the cloud and the pillar of fire that were there day by day and night by night. We think of as they were ministering in the temple at that time of dedication, as as the trumpeters were playing and as they were raising their voices and praising God, suddenly the glory came down. Suddenly the glory came down. One of the people who had a huge impact on my life was a a lovely old Christian lady um, from from up in the the Midlands area who just used to know the presence of God in a wonderful way. And sometimes as we were worshipping, she would just say, 
I just see the glory mist. We don't hear people refer to that now, do we? But she said, I just see the glory mist. The presence of God so real and in a wonderful way. And God comes in different ways and his glory is known. Pentecost, it was tongues of fire and a rushing wind. I remember hearing a story of that about uh, up, in the, uh, up in Iceland, I think it was in the, was it the Eskimos, and the spirit coming and the noise that was heard, and nobody could explain it. Phenomenal. So the manifest presence of God. And as a people, we want to be presence-centered. We don't want to be going through rituals. We want to be relationship and, and presence-centered. And you'll find that we continually try and work towards that end. The danger is external worship and even these things. Okay, if I do praise, if I do worship, uh, uh, then I, I, I stand in the glory. But if you treat it as a ritual, you'll miss it. And that's the biggest danger. So that when the props are taken away, suddenly it's, where is God in my life? Where is God in my life? You see, it must be able to sustain all the props being taken away. But there's huge benefits to, to discovering this way of engaging with God through praise and, and worship and standing in his glory. Uh, in, in, Paul says in Corinthians, he talks about as we are in his presence, we are transformed. To be in his beautiful presence has a transforming effect on us. So if I'm not being changed, how much am I experiencing of the presence of God? So transformation, it's a place of revelation. Uh, just run through these quickly. It's a place where God reveals himself. It's a place where we can therefore hear with clarity. It's also a place where we can get breakthrough, getting into the presence. Through praise, through worship, standing in his glory, suddenly the breakthrough can come. It's also the place of being filled with the Spirit. Some of the older versions, when you read about being filled with the Spirit, it's one continuous sentence. It's be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves, or as you speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So it's a way we can just be in God's presence and know his fullness. So we've gone through, through, through that very quickly this morning. But take, take that away. Go, go away into your groups and think about it. Go into, go into your private place and just... Endeavour to spend time with God in this way. I'm going to praise God. Put on that garment of praise. Lift up the spirit of praise. Break out of your English lethargy or indifference or, or, or um, introversion or any of those things. Break out of it. You know, we're born into a new kingdom. Whether you are English or African or whatever is irrelevant now. We're now children of the living God. We're born from heaven. And we want the spirit of heaven in our hearts and in our lives. So praise, worship, standing in his glory. And then this morning we're going to, we're going to come and give ourselves in, in worship as we, we come and we, we celebrate what God has done in providing us with the riverside. That's another aspect of our worship. We, we so often think it's just you know, writing out a check or putting it in the bag or whatever it is we do. And, and, but actually, this is part of our worship as well. Yeah. And, and this morning, we, we want to close in worship. And we want to close, if you like, in joyous worship. Demonstrable praise and worship in our, our giving to God. And, because this is a big day in the life of Gateway. 
And we want to do this joyfully. The Lord loves, it says, a cheerful giver. And uh, I'm going to hand over to Graham now, and he's going to take it on from here. But please take these things to heart. Please go to work on them. And these are things you can pass on to others as well. That's the whole purpose of this in learning to disciple others.